going back, I'm going back to loving me. High and low, hot and cold, I looked everywhere for what I need. But now I know, now I know, I'm going back. Welcome to SOS. I am your host, Jennifer Elizabeth Masters. Thank you for joining me tonight. Tonight's subject is the mother of all wounds, healing birth trauma. Everyone has birth trauma. If you had a mother, you will want to listen to the show. Healing the mother of all wounds and specifically narcissistic mothers. And if your mother was or is narcissistic, you are likely an empath. And this show will help you no matter whether your mother has crossed, is he on the the other side, or is still on the planet. Now, some of the issues related to narcissistic mothers cause serious challenges in all areas of our lives, but I am going to focus on relationships, difficulty with intimacy, maybe difficulty being touched, needing validation from the outside of ourselves, ever had that, not feeling good enough, low self-esteem, people-pleasing, perfectionism, depression, being overly emotional, and even health issues such as fibromyalgia, Epstein-Barr, autoimmune disorders, anxiety, even cancer. And I will talk about some other things too. So you might have had to be a bitch to be heard. That was me. I used to be one. I am now a reformed bitch. I am no longer a bitch. (laughs) Narcissists are formed. Speaking of formed, narcissists are formed, not born. Narcissists have their own personal trauma that caused them to create a larger than life persona that is all about them. And what's so bad about being a narcissistic mother? Well, sadly, these women could not bond with their children and they may try with all their might to love their family to the best of their ability, but in the end, it's all about them. They need to be in the limelight, the center of attention. They wanna be adored and worshiped. Yes, narcissists tend to drain all the oxygen out of the room they occupy. And if you aren't serving them in some way, you're useless, and they will very quickly let you know how useless you are. For those that have experienced partners or husbands or wives that are narcissists, uh, you may have had a narcissistic parent too. Now, this show is one. It's the first in a series of narcissists, uh, dealing with a narcissistic mother, narcissist relationships, and so on. So we keep attracting narcissists until we heal from the core of the issue, which is the time of our birth. And, you know, it may be challenging for some to believe that we picked our mother when she was so difficult, but she was our first draft pick, you know, like a football And she is the most important person in our lives, the one that teaches us all about love. And when you begin to put the puzzle pieces together, you'll soon discover that the reason you have attracted scam artists, 
or narcissistic partners is due to this first touch with love. And we end up looking for love in all the wrong places. We feel that those that are like our mothers are like, ah, coming home. And I'd like to do a little exercise. And this, this one is, it's from Barbara DeAngelis. Uh, she has done this one in, in several different books. So what I'd like you to do is grab a piece of paper and a pen. I'll wait. And if you want, get a glass of wine or champagne. And uh, because before the end of the show, you're going to be celebrating that the source of pain and the cure is in reach. I will be taking phone calls live on the show. If you are able to call in, you have a question or a comment, I would love to welcome you here. Uh, the phone numbers are, and I'll have to double check with my producer because I often get these numbers wrong. I'm not good with numbers. 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And I will repeat those numbers so that you'll have them. 888-627-6008. And I'm not hearing any buzzers or, or sounds in my ears. So I'm guessing that, that uh, Don is telling me I'm doing it right tonight. But the other number is 323 744 now, the bottom line is everyone, everyone deserves happiness, love, abundance, and joy. And you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you thrive. I've been on this healing journey for over 35 years. And so um, I'm here to help you with all of those. What you might experience in your life. If you've had a narcissistic mother, well, you may have had fibromyalgia. And that is something that causes pain and doctors don't know what causes it. I'll tell you right now, it is the deep wounding from not being loved. And we take it on personally in every cell of our being. Epstein-Barr is another one. Or other autoimmune diseases, uh, depression, anxiety, guilt, grief, shame, resentment, blame, shock, humiliation, feeling abandonment, not protected, feeling like a victim, victimization, uh, not being able to forgive. And, and you may suffer from other abuses from other partners, low self-esteem, not feeling good enough, sinus infections, not being able to speak up for yourself, pneumonia. That is uh, from old wounds that won't heal, rheumatoid arthritis, diabetes. Okay, rheumatoid arthritis. That is from deep criticism of authority. And we'll talk about criticism in a moment. Feeling put upon. Um, you might have had diabetes, longing for what might have been, a great need to control, deep sorrow, and no sweetness in life. And I have experienced all of these things, actually, at some point. So you can see there are plenty of things that our mother gifts us with when we look at our dark underbelly and heal past trauma. Trauma is the gift that keeps on giving long after it's happened. It is not the event that causes the suffering or subsequent pain or low self-esteem. It is our reaction to the events that makes all the difference. So we are the one. Yes, we had the trauma, but it is the reaction to the trauma that causes this perpetuation of suffering. So I'm right there with you. My mother gave me plenty of gifts. And let's look at the positive gifts first. 
I don't want you to think that life is all bad. There's a balance. And if you have the chutzpah or guts to take a peek under the covers at your shadow self, you know, that is where the healing begins. Wait, there's more. Your mother might have also gifted you with other things that you might have might have had or know somebody with um, and they are not all inclusive by any means borderline personality disorder bladder infections multiple personality disorder challenges dealing with emotions like overly emotional even hyper emotional reactivity addictions especially shopping sweets alcohol i i did it all guys i did it all and yeah you can read my memoir all addictions come from the same place the rejection of the self and you see this smile on my face this is a happy camper so i want to give you hope that you can heal all of these things you know and i healed all of those things so how do we heal addictions we have to love ourselves and um, I'm giving you the main course first and then dessert after. And, you know, sometimes it's good to eat dessert first. Oh, let's have dessert. So I am sharing this with you. And at the end, I'm going to be eating my piece of cherry pie. Uh, no whipped cream today, but let's eat dessert first. So some of our mothers compensated for what was lacking by baking and that's one of the things that my mother did, or maybe cooking, or maybe keeping the house immaculate, or maybe they were good at sewing, ironing, or looking beautiful. And uh, you may have learned how to take care of yourself, keeping yourself looking young and beautiful, uh, like me. Uh, I'm just kidding, everybody. My mother always looked good. Keeping up appearances is paramount for narcissists. And you know, if you looked at my mother's closets, I think she's got three closets full and a full-length mink coat. Now, she never worked after the that I was 14, which was, you know, about 10 years ago. But my mother kept fit. She was doing exercises with Jack LaLanne um, before being fit was a thing. Uh, she always looked nice, put together, and had a great wardrobe, even if she had to make it herself. So, you know, in my case, we were not that well off. My father worked. He always had a job, you know, but we always looked neat, clean, and respectable, and we were also well-fed. My mother cooked a hot meal every night, every single night, and she also baked. There was always cookies or cake, and for my mother, keeping up appearances, and this is very true about narcissists, appearances are very important to the narcissist. And to the outsider, our home looked perfect. We were the perfect family. But inside, we lived with a mummy dearest. If you ever saw that movie with Joan Crawford, that was exactly what we experienced in my home. That went from screaming unintelligibly at us kids to smiling and pleasantly Opening the door, yes, with a big smile, she answered the door to a neighbor, and no one knew the pain that we endured. So a common phrase from our father was to keep peace in the family, and we always knew what that meant. For my father to be able to have peace, 
and maybe some sex, we also knew that we needed to make our mother happy no matter what. So from not being able to go out with friends to breaking up with boyfriends she didn't approve of for me, not my brothers. Um, yes, her power was mighty, mighty and her control heftier. Narcissist control with manipulation and a heaping side steaming hot, fresh guilt. Narcissists expect others to make them happy. And for children of a narcissist, what that means is that we become the parent. We act, act like our mother's mother. We do everything in our power to do the things that will gain the goodwill from our mother. We do our very best to be good little children because if we're not, love is removed. So love for a narcissist is conditional. It only happens when they're happy. They only give love when we do their bidding or please them in some way. So what does a narcissist thrive on? Being worshipped, being praised, told how great they look, how smart they are, how talented they are, what a great cook they are, how wonderful they look. Did I say that already? How wonderful they look, how young they look, how attractive they are, how great their taste in clothes is, how great their cookies taste, speaking of taste, how great the wallpaper looks that they hung. You get the picture. No matter whether you're a Donald Trump fan or not, you can see the evidence of his cabinet and their response. Oh, Mr. President, that is awesome. What a great idea, Mr. President. Wow, that is great. You have seen that in action. Yes, the crowd was the biggest ever. It didn't even rain on Inauguration Day. And yes, narcissists lie, but only when their lips are moving. Narcissists remember a very different version of the past than we do. So when I wrote my first book, Odyssey, Victim to Victory, my mother didn't speak to me for nearly a year. Uh, she threatened to sue me, and I included a photo of both, both her and my dad, which made her extremely angry. I responded to her threat that she couldn't sue me for telling the truth. Her exasperated reply was that my book wasn't true, and that wasn't how she remembered my childhood. Of course she didn't. She was living in a fantasy. And I will address the fantasy of living with a narcissist in just a moment and what that means to their victims. So Odyssey Victim to Victory is available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. This book was my coming out party. And for 20 years, I was asked to write this book, write the book, write the book, write the book. And I didn't want to write it. I asked my guides, can I wait until my mother dies? And I was told, no, <laughs> I had to write Odyssey, Victim to Victory, um, before she died. There was a reason for it. And I'll explain that in a second. I had to write this book as an honest account of my life so that I could face my mother and her lies head on. It was written in 2011, and it took me another eight years to dig even deeper to the core wounding to heal it completely. And what was my mother's, um, uh, let's see, what was her review of my book? She hated it. Hated it. <laughs> she said I was whining. 
You rarely get sympathy from a narcissist. They criticize, they chide, deprive, admonish, manipulate. And remember that steaming helping of guilt? They're very adept at making you feel guilty. And what I'll tell you about guilt is when we are programmed early with guilt, it is something that we have to fight very hard to overcome. You know, I don't feel guilty about much anymore. And uh, narcissists do not hold empathy or compassion for anyone else unless they feign it. You know, they're great actors. You know, pretend to feel. As a result, narcissists are usually very strong, healthy individuals. Why is that? Well, due to the fact that they don't feel emotions as deeply as empaths do, they are healthier and stronger than the rest of us. Case in point, look at Donald Trump. He does not have the healthiest diet, but his constitution is ironclad. And I'll share the story of what happened that allowed me to heal this deep birth trauma and years of abuse, manipulation, criticism, jealousy, competition, gaslighting with the side dish of steaming hot guilt, and come to a loving place with my mother before she dies. My mother currently is 98 years old. Yes. Born July 10th, let's see, 1922. So last December, and this is true, this is what happened to me last December. After doing 35 years of personal inner work, I nearly died December 6th. And though I've walked down the tunnel of light in 2014, this was not a peaceful floating down the tunnel that I experienced previously. I was in agony. After being told by my mother that I was stupid, I avoided speaking to her. Uh, Narcissists are very, very uh, adept at calling a spade a spade and telling you how dumb you were for the actions that you took that you didn't make or whatever it was that you didn't do. So during that time, that six weeks that I didn't speak to her while I was recovering from her stupid comment, I did not call her and she did not reach out to call me. Narcissists rarely do. Remember, they expect us to do their bidding. I called my mother at the wrong time. You know, after years of raising children, she now has a story that she watches and it happens from 4.30 to 5.30 Eastern. And I called her during that time. Now she's entitled, but she was rude and disrespectful. I was triggered after forgiving her yet again. Um, I was not able to speak my truth and stand up to her. This is something that narcissists are very adept at doing. They have a way of silencing their victims. So I wasn't able to tell Miss Manners. (laughs) She's so focused on others' rudeness, it was perfectly fine for her to be rude to me. I was pissed. I began watching a movie after I hung up, and she returned my call, twice as a matter of fact. Without answering the phone, I said to no one, fuck you, mom. Not ladylike. I'm not proud of it, but it's true. I was pissed. I'm busy now. I said to no one. And she called back again, left me a lovely message that I didn't listen to until weeks later. 
And again, I said, you were too busy to talk to me, and now I'm too busy to talk to you. And I should have punched a pillow. I should have done some cathartic screaming. I should have vented. I should have cleared myself. I could have, but I didn't. I was too angry to do so. And the result of all this unvented anger, what did I do? I stuffed it. I sucked it up. I forgave her yet again. Uh, my mother's harsh criticism was nothing new. Even when she read Orgasm for Life, it was the best thing I have ever written, she said. And then why did I have to focus so much on sex? Get over it, Jennifer, she would tell me. And yet I would often hear her story of, woe. being an orphan, I never told her to get over it, nor would I. That is what compassion does. We see and feel the compassion for others. So after I did not answer the phone, and I obviously sucked up with this anger, I had a a sinus infection within 24 hours, a virulent sinus infection. A sinus infection is caused by a deep irritation to one person, angry words left unspoken, someone close I wonder who. 24 hours later, I had a full-blown case of pneumonia. I was sick as a dog. I couldn't breathe. I nearly died December 6th. Pneumonia is about old wounds that won't heal. How appropriate. Pneumonia gave me a tremendous gift. It made me recognize how I was still trying to make her happy, which is an impossible task. I recognized I had to put myself first ahead of my mother. I recognized that I was that close to death and my life was more valuable than hers to me. And so I had to let her go. Now, this letting go process involved a few things. It involved me breaking contracts sending them back to the sender. It involved me cutting all cords, pulling all cords and hooks. And this is some of the work that I do with my clients. So, you know, like I said, 35 years of inner work and I went, holy cow, I still have more to do. Yes. I'd already healed fibromyalgia. I'd already healed Epstein-Barr, depression, anxiety, codependency, being triggered by others, there was still more to do. You know, I hear this often from my clients, but I've done that already. You may have, but if you're not living in sovereignty without being triggered by your mom, you have more work to do. So during this three-week recovery period, I was teaching a course. I still saw my clients and I was sleeping like a hibernating bear in between in the midst of my recovery. I cut all cords, I severed all contracts, and I had to stop worrying about what she wanted, what she thought. I had to really resolve this within myself. It didn't involve a conversation. It didn't involve a letter. It didn't involve me fighting or standing up for myself. It was none of that. It was all personal just me. I had already done rebirthing and healing the trauma from way back. I'd already forgiven everyone. You know, one of the things, and this is kind of mysterious, but interesting. 
I was born during a Mercury and Venus retrograde, and we just started a Venus retrograde, not Venus, Mercury retrograde today. Um, So what did this mean? Mercury, Venus retrograde when I was born, there was no love at the time of my birth. Perfect, right? So love was certainly missing and had been all along. Sure, my mother did her best to be a good mother, but in the absence of validation, praise, and bonding, it meant I had to recover and do all these things for myself rather than expecting hell to freeze over and for her to change. So this is the thing, people. We have a tendency, we expect the other person to change. But what if they don't? What if they never do? What if they never do the work? What if they don't think there's anything wrong with them? It's all about us. Our journey, whether we're married or single, it doesn't matter. It's all about us. The journey that we take is about us and us alone. So the amazing thing is that through all of this letting go, I was different. I totally let go of the bitch. I no longer had to scream to be heard. I'd already let go of stubbornness, but I didn't need to be bitchy to have others hear me. I've had people really try to, as you say, fuck with me. Um, I've had very strong women try to push me around. And all I had to do was say, hand up, don't mistake, don't mistake the way I am for weakness. Don't mistake my compassion, my loving spirit for weakness, because that would be folly. Don't, don't, don't fuck with me. I am unfuckwithable. Man, women, child, beast, cat, I don't care. It's good to be unfuckwithable. It's good. So I no longer had to scream to be heard. I didn't need to be bitchy to have others hear me. I could speak quietly, but firmly. And in some cases, it just involved a look. You know, the look. That's all it was needed. My clients could feel the difference. They were asking me, what did you do? I looked different. I began to own my power, my beauty, my sexuality in a very different way. People noticed that I looked different. And when I worked with clients, they found the work much more powerful, deeper, more profound. My guidance and visions came through more strongly with each client I stopped expecting anything from anyone. I no longer needed validation from outside of me. I was completely whole and sovereign. So December 2019 marked the death of the old me and the rebirth of the new me. I'm happy to say. So coming that close to death was very profound. And I suppose that it needed to happen for me because it was either that or hell was going to freeze over and I didn't think that was going to happen. So 
um, undoing this rebirthing for many that want to heal their mother of all wounds. So what's interesting and remarkable is that above all, my relationship with my mother shifted. So instead of being adversarial, like it always was, it was on an even keel, balanced. I find, I find my mother, she seems softer, sweeter, wiser. She feels more loving. And this past July, my mother turned 98. I was supposed to visit her in March. And of course, it got canceled when Canada closed its borders. And the borders are still shut down. I was going to drive up there this past week and the borders are still closed. So my mother is in the process of giving away her things, getting ready to transition. Perfect timing. I have to say I am hugely grateful for this extra time to heal myself before she leaves the planet. And my discovery is that narcissism is a challenge. There's no doubt. But having a mother that is narcissistic kicks our deep inner shadow work into high gear. And if you don't begin this healing in your 30s like I did, look out when you get to be 60 because (laughs) all kinds of things can happen if you haven't done the inner healing. Health issues of all kinds like breast cancer, diabetes, arthritis, heart issues can result. Now think about it. Our heart is the center of love and security. So when you think about it, if you're not feeling loved by your mom, you feel unworthy, undeserving, invalidated, abandoned, rejected, lost, insecure, and the list goes on. The core wounding must be healed for us to be completely sovereign. We'll show up for our clients, family members, whole, strong, unstoppable instead of broken, lost, and unworthy. We're able to charge more for our services because we can only heal others to the level that we ourselves are healed. So when you can speak about being a healed healer, look out world. So when our mother doesn't bond with us, we might not want to be touched by others even lovers or partners. Touch, intimacy is all woven around love. When we don't feel loved, we can not receive intimacy or even receive love. And so if you've been in a relationship and your partner said, I love you, but you didn't feel it, it's because of this core wounding. We have challenges in all areas of our lives, even success in business. We can only get so far because we don't value ourselves or feel worthy and deserving. So the reason that I call our mother our first pick is because we chose her. Yes, we did. You know, you know, we we're taught that we don't choose our family, but we actually do, especially our mothers. Now we don't always choose Our fathers, sometimes we have to get the father that goes along with the mom, but sometimes we get to pick both parents. But we pick our mother because before we incarnate, and yes, I have been shown all of these things. So if you're asking, how does she know? Because I have, I've traveled, I've been to these places. 
So before we pick our mother, we stand there on the, I call it the diving board, the high diving board of life with our master guide. And um, we tell him, I want to learn all about love in this next life. Our guide is old and wise. He stands there in his long linen robe with the hood over his head, staff in hand, looking like Gandalf, yes. And he reminds us it will be difficult. And yes, we say, we know it will. We're all rested and renewed from being in Bardo, which is the place of in-between, which is in-between incarnations. It is the in-between place, the resting place. We've recovered from our previous life. Yeah, we're ready for the show. We want it all. We want to become enlightened. We want to rise above where we have been in our previous lives. We want to use what we've learned and make it all the way to enlightenment and joy. Give it to me. Give it to me in this next life, we say. Oh, dear. (laughs) And our guide again reminds us that we will experience deep pain and suffering. Yes, I know, we say. I can handle it. It won't be anything worse than what I've endured, being stabbed to death, wounded in battle, where I died on the battlefield in the past. It won't be worse than being shot down in an airplane or tortured in the Inquisition. And then our guide nods and tells us once again, oh, it could be much worse than that. But we don't believe him. We take our dive off the high board, diving into that new body in the womb at five months and during the nine months in utero. We are in and out of the fetus until towards the end when we remain waiting to be born. And then in the birth canal, we recognize the truth. We get a glimpse of the pain not being wanted, not being the right sex, being born a girl when our mother wanted a boy. And we, for the first time, we get to feel the deep pain and anguish of what it means to feel and be completely unloved, unaccepted, and abandoned emotionally. We hold our hands up. We claw at the inside of the birth canal. No, I don't want to be born. The pain is worse than anything we've ever experienced before. We are tortured day in and day out. We attempt to make our mothers happy. And when we do not, she takes her love away. She shames us. She makes us the source of her pain. She curses us with a child who will make us feel as we made her feel. The torture never ends until we heal this deep wound. We experience competitiveness. She plots and triangulates with our siblings and friends. Our mother doesn't go to bat for us when we complain. Mom, the kids down the row, the kids at school, they bullied me and they 
the mom, our mom blames us instead for what happens to us. You must have asked for it. Instead of getting sympathy, we we receive blame. We're put in harm's way repeatedly. And blame for telling our secrets to the world. We don't know which way to turn as we must be loved by our mother. Others are meant to love us, aren't they? We live in a fantasy making up stories about our perfect family. We might disassociate to cope or perhaps create subpersonalities between the manipulation and the guilt we feel shattered, broken, lost. We don't even know who we are. We may be codependent in the extreme, bonding, attempting to clutch on to whoever will let us in. Friendships and relationships become our sanctuary. We try to fix everyone we come in touch with. We must have someone near us for fear of being alone with ourselves. We are so filled with self-hatred, continuing to torture ourselves with perfectionism and people-pleasing, learned at the hand of our mothers. Healing ourselves becomes our mission. We might want to fix everyone we meet or have relationships with others looking for someone to fill that void. Yet finding joy with ourselves is the greatest gift that we can experience. It is my great joy to help you get there. You know, it is likely that our mothers were molested. They had a core wounding. Narcissists are made, not born. In my mother's case, she was an orphan at five, molested by a brother-in-law who used to reach across and molest all her sisters that were sleeping in one bed. All her five sisters were narcissists. People become narcissists because they didn't receive the love and attention they needed. Their parents were either emotionally or physically absent or not present with them if they were physically there. I have tremendous compassion for narcissists and those that are wounded. Each of us has our story and mission to heal ourselves. It is what we are here to do. Whether it is breast cancer, arthritis, fibromyalgia, uh, abandonment, rejection, insecurity, feeling lost, all these things can be healed. We created them. We can decreate them. Loving who we are is the key. And the more authentic we can be, rather than attempting to be the chameleon, changing for whoever would like us to be green or pink or purple or I'll jump through hoops. Just love me. We must get to know who we are, what we stand for, and be happy with all that we are. Each of us is a gift. You are the gift, the giver and the receiver. You are all. There is no one like you. You are not to be compared with anyone else. No one has your gifts or unique style, your voice, your looks, or physical form. Feeling good 
is something that may be foreign to you at the moment. What helps us feel good is praise rather than criticism, love rather than hate, compassion rather than sympathy, appreciation and acceptance, and of course, gratitude. And what I've discovered is that mantras work very quickly to change the unconscious mind or subconscious mind. And it is what I use and teach my clients. Mantras spoken in the background of our mind cause the body and mind to feel good. And that's the bottom line. We want to feel good. Mantras are a short, positive phrase repeated silently or allowed for a purpose. A mantra can bring you into touch with your spirit. A mantra can allow you to begin to feel loved. I'll give you one to say to yourself. It's very simple. Your ego might fight it. Mine did at first. I love me. (sighs) I love me. So you just float it. Float it through the background of your mind and notice how it feels in your body. Like I said, your ego might reject it and go, ah, that's bullshit. But that's the end of my show. It's the final segment. No, no, no. It's not bullshit. You have several options. Choose another mantra. I am loved and see how that feels. Choose the one that feels best for you. And the idea is to feel good. The idea is to feel good. Feeling is believing. So what have mantras done for my clients? They quieted their minds in three months or less, allowed Um, those that use them every day to feel positive, to feel secure, to feel safe. I am loved. I am safe. I am protected. Whenever we use the words I am, we are putting the power of God in those words. So you don't want to use I am and anything negative because you are putting the power of God into the negative So the cells of your body will respond positively to love. The unconscious mind believes whatever we tell it, even if you're, did I say the unconscious, that the subconscious mind will believe whatever we tell it, even if your conscious mind doesn't believe it. So what did I just say? The unconscious or subconscious mind believes what we tell it, hook, line, and sinker to coin the fishing phrase. So if you tell yourself every day, I'm a failure, you will be a failure. If you tell yourself every day, I am a great success, you will be successful. And soon you'll be doing things differently, getting up earlier and doing even hard things. Now, one final instruction for the mantras, use the mantras either out loud or silently when showering, folding laundry, driving in the car, shaving, putting on makeup, when first waking up or falling asleep. Why, you ask? I'm glad you asked because the subconscious mind has a gatekeeper. I like to call the gatekeeper, the doorman. And so the doorman goes on his break. Whenever you do things that you've done a thousand times before, like folding laundry, shaving, showering, driving, putting on makeup or cooking. So just to refresh your memory, The two mantras to choose from are, I love me or I am loved. 
either one. All right, now people, it is time for my favorite segment. It's all bullshit. And I just have a few things to talk about here in the bullshit department. There's a lot going on in the world that's bullshit, but I'm just going to talk about narcissists and victims and you. Okay. So most people think of themselves as victims before they begin to heal. I did for the longest time. I kept telling everyone that would listen my story of woe. My mother hated me. She was jealous. She was competitive. But we have to stop telling that story of woe. None of us are victims. Feeling like a victim causes us to attract. And I can speak from experience because this is so, it is true. We attract more victimization because that feeling is what we hold in our body. It is the resonance that we have. It's in our auric field. And so whatever we hold in our auric field is what we attract to us. Victimization is the first stage of waking up. It doesn't last forever, which is the good news. And you can speed up the process by beginning to look at yourself with deep compassion, love, and self-introspection and not be afraid to look at the dark, shadowy, and smelly parts. You know, the things, the warts and foibles, the things we don't like to tell people that we have or do. All right, so the second part of It's All Bullshit is, what kind of God would do this to me? Oh, well, God didn't do it to you. You chose this path. You may not remember choosing it, but you did. I assure you, you did. You picked it. You picked your mom. She was your first draft pick. Hallelujah. You are probably an empath. And we chose this difficult path because... We're healers. We're warriors of light. We're here to make a huge impact on the earth. We cannot understand others' pain unless we experience it also. And I have experienced a lot of it in various and sundry forms. And I have found that it's made me a really dynamic healer because of all the things that I've experienced. I'm very non-judgmental. All right. The third part of it's all bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> Life is a shit show. Well, it may be when you're a victim because you're drawing to you more victimization, but life becomes better when we begin to heal. And once we become okay with whatever's going on around us and in our lives, we stop being so triggered by events and our emotions stop running the show. Healing our emotions, allowing ourselves to feel them fully instead of running away from them helps tremendously. And here, oh wait, I have one more bullshit. Oh, it's easy for you, Jennifer. Why? Why is it easy for me? Life has not been easy for me. Read my book. <laughs> Go get it. Orga not Orgasm for Life. That was a good one. Uh, Odyssey Victim to Victory is the story of my, my life and my awakening coming to the light, moving out of that shit show 
into victory. I suffered greatly for the first 30 or 40 years of my life. My relationships were messy because I was a mess. Life becomes easier when we heal our past. And it can be done when we commit to ourselves and hire someone who knows the ropes can speed the process. It took me 35 years and probably about 200,000 to get to the place that I have today. And I have to say, there's no way, like my theme song says, there's no way I would change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. It has made me who I am. We become a sum of our parts. We become stronger, richer for the experiences and mine were deep and vast. And today, people tell me that I'm one of the most fascinating people they've ever met because of the experiences I've had. And I'll take that and I'm back to loving me. (laughs) Are you back to loving you? And I told you that I was going to share my piece of cherry pie, you know, life doesn't have to be a bitch. We can make it as delicious as a piece of cherry pie, you know, crusty, juicy, and messy all at the same time. And I'm going to enjoy mine right now. And thank you for being here. I love you. Let's get back to loving me and you. Good night. I'm going back